0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him.
1: But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch. Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thanks, Terry. Well, here we are
0: in 2 Timothy. <clears throat> Can you think of a time in your life where it was hardest to follow Jesus? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, can you think of a time in your life when it was most difficult to stay true to your commitments as a follower of Jesus? If you've been following Jesus, if you've been a Christian for any long period of time, there have been seasons where it was harder to be a faithful follower of Jesus than other seasons, no doubt. No doubt. And there are any number of circumstances that might come up in our lives that would make it difficult to follow Jesus or difficult to stay true to our commitments as followers of Jesus. For me, it was 2007 or so, 2007, 2008. I keep going back to this time in my life. So if you've heard my stories, like it's always about 2008 or something. Um, But like back in 2007, 2008, I worked in the restaurant industry. I was, I graduated from college and then I went to work for a ministry in urban Boston um, that was like a, you can, we'll, we'll give you room and board, but we can't pay you. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then after two or three years there, I was like, actually, I don't, I need money. I got to survive. So I went to work in the restaurant industry and I had worked in restaurants in college. I was in, uh, my first, if you didn't know, my very first degree was actually in theater, was in acting. And so I was in the theater world for a while working in restaurants. And then later in Boston, I went back to work in the restaurant industry and I was doing really well. I was making, making good money. Prior to the financial crash of 2008, life was going really well. I was working a lot. But if you know this industry, this is not like the most churched group of people. Like, you're working when everybody else is being social, right? So, your social life consists of the people who work in your industry, right? You just, there's no other time for you. I had Sunday mornings to be with my friends at church, and then the rest of my week was with coworkers. Because we were necessarily working when everybody else was out being social. So, my social circle was the, the people that I was working with, which meant the parties that I went to were the parties with the people that I was working with. And the social things I did were with the people I was working with. And again, not the most churched group of people. Right? They thought my life was weird, like my, the choices that I made were strange. But I stayed faithful. I had my good friends through the church. I stayed with my small group in the church, and they, they helped me out. They walked with me through some of the tougher seasons. Some of the times that I was like, man, like, I don't know if this makes a lot of sense anymore. And then at the beginning of 2008, I got really sick. My, my health started going way downhill. And by the fall of 2008, I was like, I'm going to die. I, just, I know I'm, I'm going to die. And there was one problem with that, I was a 24-year-old guy. Remember, I was a 24-year-old guy, so don't judge me too harshly. The one problem with the fact that I was going to die at 24 was that I was a virgin. And that just could not be. And I was like, God, you know, um, if I'm going to die, I ain't going to die a virgin. And so I was... I was like, and I believe I grew up in the church. I've been faithful to Jesus my whole life. My sexual ethic was very important to my life, obviously as a virgin at 24, having gone through college, being a reasonably attractive person, right? Not not gorgeous, but reasonably attractive, right? Like getting to that point in my life, this was something that was very important and very central to my identity and core to who I was. But at that point in my life, I was like, I got to make a plan, right? And there are opportunities, right? I work in it, like. There are opportunities, right? And so I'm, I'm, this is going to happen, right? I'm, I'm not going to die a virgin. Um, and then I think God blessed me that I met the woman who would become my wife right at that time. Like, and that kind of that helped me walk through it. Um, but there were, there were many times early on in my relationship with my wife, Beth, that we were sitting around my apartment and life had just gotten so hard. And I, I was just convinced I was dying. Um, that I, w- I would say to Beth, like, I don't know about my faith anymore. Like, I don't know if this is worth it. If all the sacrifices that we've, that have made to follow Jesus and stay faithful and true have really been worthwhile. And my wife said, oh, it's okay, Brandon. Like, I understand. Life has been incredibly hard. But we'll walk through this. We'll get through it together. And so I got diagnosed with diabetes. I started treating it. Life got better. I got healthier. And those temptations to walk away from my faith went away with the hardship and as I was surrounded by a community of people. But in that season, there were two things that kept me from giving up on my walk with Jesus. Two things. The community around me, first and foremost. The church that I was a part of, the small group I was with, the woman I was dating, The people around me who were pointing me consistently to Jesus and reminding me that it is more than worth it. And secondly was the scriptures. I never lost my love for the Bible. I wasn't sure about my faith for a while, but I never lost my love for scripture. It was the people around me and it was the scriptures that kept me faithful to Jesus And this was not a small temptation for me. I firmly believe that it is no virtue to say no to things you've never been tempted by. The virtue is when you say no to the real temptation, to the thing that you desperately want to do and you know is not right. There are a lot of Christians in the world who will judge people for doing things they've never been tempted by, and that is absolutely wrong. But it is right to say, I'm virtuous when I can stand and say no to the thing that is really tempting me away from Jesus. And so during that time, my virtue was preserved by my community and by Scripture. And I think that's what Paul is saying to Timothy right here in 2 Timothy as he's talking to him. I think that's exactly what Paul is talking about when he's writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy is an interesting letter. I want to challenge you next time you read 2 Timothy to read it like you're on the verge of death. Like you've had a really hard life and you're on the verge of death. Because that's where Paul is. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. And he writes here at the end of the letter, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. My time is short. Paul knows he's going to die soon. And Paul has had it rough. And he's had a hard life following Jesus. And he believes it's absolutely worth it. This is why Paul says in his letters so often, like, to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be with Jesus is better than being alive here because my life is suffering for the sake of Jesus. But I would rather be leading you into relationship with Jesus than give up on this thing. And so Paul here, he's writing to Timothy. It's the second letter that we have from Paul to Timothy. Now, Timothy was kind of Paul's protege. Timothy was a young dude from a town called Lystra. Timothy had been raised by a Jewish mom who became a believer in Jesus. And he had a Roman father, a Greek father, a Gentile father. So his dad isn't Jewish, but Timothy's mom is. And from early days, when Timothy's very young, Timothy's mom and his grandma are teaching him the scriptures. And eventually they start pointing him to Christ as they become Christ followers themselves. So then Paul, the apostle, is traveling around, Asia Minor, and he ends up in this town called Lystra. And Lystra is a place that was not happy with Paul. They were not nice to Paul. Paul endured beatings in Lystra, and Timothy's there for it. He knows what's going on in Lystra when Paul comes through. And so while Paul's in Lystra, he picks out Timothy. And he's like, hey man, you you should come with me. You should walk with me. You should learn from me. He sees something in Timothy. He sees that spark of leadership. He sees that, that, that move of the Holy Spirit in Timothy's life. And he identifies him and says, hey, young dude, like, you need to come travel with me. Can you imagine that? Like You know this guy's been beat up. You know this guy's been in prison for the gospel. And you're this young, like, you know, this young dude, and this guy's like, yeah, I want you to walk with me. Like, you kind of come share my life. Endure the sufferings with me because Jesus is worth it. I think most of us, if we were in Timothy's shoes, would have been like, I'll take a pass on that man. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. Like, I don't, I don't need that in my life. But Timothy, because of his love for Jesus, walks with Paul. He starts traveling around with Paul. They end up in this town called Ephesus. Ephesus is not a town, Ephesus is a major commercial city. It's, it's a major place. Like, the world collides at Ephesus. And as they're traveling around, Paul has been training up Timothy, he's been teaching him up, and he leaves Timothy at Ephesus. Like, you, you're going you're to pastor here in Ephesus. You're going to lead the church here in Ephesus. You young buck, you got this. You can do it. And so Paul goes on his, his way, and Timothy's left in Ephesus. So when Paul is writing to Timothy here, Timothy is a pastor in the city of Ephesus. He's leading probably a network of churches. Rather than one church, the reason that Paul is writing to Timothy is because he's over a number of house churches. So Timothy is a sort of bishop. He's over kind of a bunch of different house churches. And that's why Paul's instructing Timothy, because they're close, because Timothy's his protege, and because Timothy has this really hard job as a young guy of leading leaders of the church in one of the most important cities in Asia Minor. I mean, that's not a small thing. This is a major call on Timothy's life. And so Paul's pouring into him. And now Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. Again, it's the second one we have. He may have written 15 letters, but we have two in the Bible. And this is probably his last one to Timothy. Paul's on the verge of death. He knows he's going to go be judged in Rome and he's probably not going to come back. He's probably going to die in Rome. And so Paul's writing this as this kind of wizened, older saint who's endured lots of suffering and is now giving his final instructions to Timothy. And when you read this letter through that lens, it really opens it up. I mean, that's how this letter sounds. This letter sounds like an old dude who's gone through some real stuff telling a young dude what to expect in life. Here you go, Timothy. I'm going to lay it out for you. This is not going to be pretty. And so Timothy, Paul is warning Timothy all through this letter, about all of the stuff that's going to happen in the church. He's telling him, look, there are going to be false teachers in the church. There are going to be people who come along and try and lead your people astray, who make a life apart from Jesus seem very attractive, or even worse, who come in the name of Jesus, but are teaching things that are absolutely not in line with who Jesus is. They're going to come in the name of Jesus, and they're going to take your people away. They're going to try and steal your people away. And it's going to be discouraging for you, Timothy. But I need you to know it's going to happen. And I need you to stay faithful. I've taught you the gospel. You've seen it. You chose this life when you knew the suffering I had endured, Timothy. Don't forget That you've walked with me through all of this and you have been taught the true good news of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to that. And that's the whole letter. Like that's really the whole letter. is like here are the expectations. Here's the hard stuff that's going to happen as a pastor. And here's why you need to hold fast to it. And then we come to the portion that that Terry read for us that we're looking at today where Paul's giving his final, final instructions So it's another one of those letters that's kind of repetitive. Paul's just drilling into Timothy over and over and over, the same thing over and over again. Flee youthful lusts, flee passions. Don't get into hot-headed arguments with your people. Lead them with gentleness, lead them with kindness, but also stand firm and opposed to false teachers. Stand firm on the truth. And now he comes in these last verses to what will hold him fast when he's tempted to give up. And I can't lie to you, I've been in this position before. I've never been beat or jailed for my faith. Okay? But as a pastor, I have been in this discouraging position before. Anyone who's, who's led people in the church has most likely been in this position before of discouragement, where they've seen all the negative stuff, all the hard stuff that you've been warned about. Like, you see it happening. And you're kind of like, man, this would be so much easier if I just went and got a corporate job. Like, I could actually make money out there. Like, you guys take care of me. Thank you. I appreciate it for real. But, like, I could have a really successful career somewhere. Do you know how much education it takes to be a pastor today? Um, You get to this point where occasionally you, you get discouraged because you're working with people, and people are messy, and organizations are hard, and we're all sinful. And you get to this point where you're like, i got to deal with all the junk in me. It's hard enough dealing with that, let alone dealing with all the junk in other people. And so you just kind of get worn out. And that's what Paul's warning Timothy against here. Hey, when you're worn out, when it's hard, when these false teachers are coming in, when your people are being led astray by false teachers, by health and wealth gospel people, or by people who tell you that you should be healed of all your diseases because you follow Jesus, when your people are being led astray by everybody who's saying the Antichrist is coming up and his name is Joe Biden or his name is Donald Trump, when your people are being led astray by these false teachers who try to infiltrate the church, hold fast, Timothy, and here's how you do it. And that's what Paul's reminding Timothy of right now. He's saying, Timothy, you've been with me. You know my sufferings. And you also know the people who have led you. You know me and you know my witness and you know my testimony and you know your mom and your grandma who taught you and who raised you right, who taught you the truth. You know your community and you know the people who are in your corner and never, ever forget that we are solidly in your corner, Timothy. Don't forget your community. When it gets hard, remember the people in your corner. Community will save you from that discouragement. Seek out the encouragement of people who are in your corner, who are behind you, who know your story, who know the truth, and are going to encourage you in it. So that you can go to them without judgment and say, hey, I think I'm ready to give up on this thing. And they'll say, no, you don't. I love you, and I know how hard it is. And they'll weep with you, and they'll embrace you, and they'll walk with you, and they'll say, I'm still here for you. And they will remind you of the truth. They will remind you of the gospel of Jesus They're not going to lead you astray and they're not going to point you in some other direction and they're not just going to affirm all of your discouragement. They're going to come and they're going to walk with you and encourage you and hold you through it all. When you are discouraged in this Christian walk as every follower of Jesus will be, go to the people in your corner. Go to the people who support you. Go to the people who are there to point you to truth, not to let you walk away. There are people in your life who won't let you walk away from Jesus. Not without an argument. (laughs) Not without encouragement. So when you are struggling in this Christian walk, when you're not sure if it's worth it, when you're not sure if it's okay to keep going, or if it's even right to keep going, or it's best for you to keep going, go to the people who know the truth, who are in your corner, who have supported you from the very beginning, Timothy. That's what Paul says. That's a good word to us. Because even though not everybody here is in pastoral ministry, we don't all have the same pressures, every follower of Jesus faces those pressures, right? Every single one is like, wait a minute, I didn't feel it right now. I don't feel it right now. I'm not feeling the love. I'm not feeling the excitement, the energy. I'm discouraged. I'm down. God, this stinking pandemic's been raging on for like two and a half years, and the world is never going to be the same. And why did you let that happen? And are you even worth following anymore? Our churches have lost a lot of people in the past few years over that. God, what are you doing? And what are these people doing? And when are you going to fix it? And so we walk away from Jesus, we walk away from faith. Every one of us go through these valleys. Every one of us go through these seasons. And Paul's encouragement to us then is to go to the people in your corner. Go to your community. Go to the people who point you to truth and will point you to Jesus. Go there. But then Paul continues, it's not just that. Because remember, no matter how great a Christian you are, you're not Jesus. You're still sinful. Still fallen, still broken. I'm still not perfect. And so even my encouragement, even my my walk with Jesus is not always going to be the thing someone needs. Because I get down too. I struggle too. And so Paul goes one step further. He says, go to your community. But remember what that community is founded on. Don't ever forget the basis, the foundation of the community you're going to. You know me, you know my life and my struggles. You know your mom, you know your grandma, you know how faithful they are. Go to them. But when that fails, turn to the scripture. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's like, look, your community will sometimes fail you. This church will sometimes fail you. If you're looking for a perfect church, keep looking. You ain't gonna find it. If you're looking for a perfect community that meets all of your preferences and is exactly what you want and is exactly where you wanna plug in and is everything that you want it to be, just wait four weeks or two months or a year. Every community will eventually disappoint you at some level because we're human beings. That's why we have the grace of Jesus in us. And so Paul's saying to Timothy, look, when the community fails, Or when I'm not here, when you're waiting on my letter to get back to you because it takes forever in the Roman world to get my letter to you. Or when your mom is sick and your grandma's sick and they're not a great encouragement to you. Remember the foundation of that community. Remember what we've all been pointing you to this entire time. Remember the scriptures. Go to the scripture. Go to God's word. And Paul is making such an incredible point about this here that he actually invents a word to describe the Bible. This is crazy. Like this is if you've been in the church for a long time, the word inspiration or inspiration of scripture is like something that's just assumed for us. We we forget that when Paul writes here to Timothy and says every scripture is God-breathed, that's a made-up word. Like Paul invented it for Timothy right then. This whole God-breathed idea You know the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is where Paul invents this word. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. What Paul is saying here to Timothy is don't ever forget where the scriptures come from. Don't ever forget that when you engage with the Bible, it's not some dead book. When you engage with the Scriptures, it's not just some, some, some scroll that you're reading. It's not some cold words that you're reading. These are the words that are breathed out by God. The very breath of God on paper. The very breath of God codified into a book for you. Don't ever forget Timothy. Timothy. Don't ever forget in your discouragement. Don't ever forget when you're down. Don't ever forget when when the things seem to be piling up against you that God has spoken to you in this word. That not only am I in your corner and is your grandma in your corner and is your mom in your corner and not only are those people, those elders in your church in your corner, God himself is. Remember who has spoken to you. Remember who called you to this work, Timothy. Christian today, remember who called you to himself. You didn't come on your own seeking for God. God was already calling you to himself. You and I didn't wake up one day and think, man, I need Jesus. God was already at work calling us to himself. That's what Paul's reminding Timothy of. Remember the roots of your faith. Remember where it comes from. Remember who has spoken to you. When you pick up your Bible and you're reading that boring list of genealogies, remember who spoke that. You ever had somebody in your life who like anything they tell you would be interesting? Anybody? Like, that was my great-grandmother. I swear to you, my great-grandmother could tell you anything and you would be on the edge of your seat. Like, yeah, that's great, Grandma. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the chemical formula for flowers. Awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. Like, whatever it is. Like, my great grandmother could tell you anything, and you would be enthralled with it. Just taken up in it. Anything at all. When we come to the scripture, we are listening to the voice of the most compelling person in all of existence. When we come to the Bible, we are hearing and engaging with the very words, the very breath out of the mouth of the God who created everything. Never forget it. Sometimes the Bible is a slog. I mean, sometimes it is a pain to get through some of this stuff. Prentice and I were just talking about, it. she just finished Leviticus. Right? <gasps> Good on you. You right? right? But you get through it, and you know that the one who is speaking to you through those words is the one who made you, who fashioned you, who crafted you, who loves you deeply, who's called you to himself. And remembering that the most boring word is from the mouth of God. And then we come to the stuff that's really encouraging. Then we come to the stuff that lights up your heart, lights up your life, lights up your eyes. When you read the Bible and you get excited about it and you read something that brings joy to your heart, you read something that's encouraging to you, remember too, that's from the mouth of God who has called you to himself and called you his child. From Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, who has called you his brother and his sister, who gave up his life for you and promises you resurrection life that no one can take away. When we come to the Bible, we are hearing the voice of God. We are hearing the voice of our Lord Jesus calling us to himself. And in those moments when we are discouraged, those moments when we are tired, the moments when we are worn out, those are the moments we most need God's voice in his people and through his word. You know, it's the times that you're most tempted not to go for a run that you really need it. It's those times you're most tempted to stay in bed and just snuggle up that you actually need to get out and get going on your day. And it's the times that we're most discouraged in this walk that we most need the scripture. We most need God's word. We need our eyes pointed back to Jesus and away from all the things that would distract us from it. Because when we come to this word, when we come to the scripture, we are hearing the voice of God and we are interacting with God himself. And the Holy Spirit is working inside of us To help us understand it. To help it form roots in our heart. But most importantly, when we come to this word, we are interacting with the one who is the word made flesh. We are interacting with the one who came to this earth, left the glories of heaven to walk in the sinful, mucky world and let it kill him on our behalf. And who rose again to conquer the grave and give us life. When we come to the Bible, when we come to the scripture, we are coming to no less a person than Jesus Christ himself. Where all of our focus needs to be. Where all of our motivation is drawn from. We come to the Bible because it is Jesus on display for us. We come to the scripture because through it, God has revealed who he is in the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ. And through him we know we have forgiveness and adoption and life eternal. And through him we know we have deep wells of joy at our disposal that can never, ever be taken away. That's why we come to this word. That's why we come to the Bible We come to the Bible to see a mirror that shows me who I am and to point me to Jesus, the one that I most desperately need. And so I encourage you, when you approach Scripture, to always remember who it is who is speaking to you. To always approach this word conversationally. Never just as a dull book. Never just as a list of instructions. But as a conversation with the living God and to remember that as you read it, you are being pointed to Jesus, the root of every hope and every good thing in this world and the root of the only source of eternal life and eternal joy. And so come joyfully. Come longingly. Come hungry. Come in your despair and in your joy. Come in your triumph and in your weakness. Come and speak with God. Hear the word of the Lord as you engage with his word and are pointed to Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for being there in our deepest, darkest, most difficult moments. Thank you, Jesus, that you've walked through the most difficult moments any of us would ever face that you have dealt with more rejection and more pain and more loss and more struggle than any of us will ever know. And you did it for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've walked through all of that to bring us life and joy. Thank you for this word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the word made flesh and that through the scriptures we see you on full display. Thank you, God, that you've not left us in the dark about who you are. You've not left us to our own devices wondering who is this God, but you've made it clear to us through the scripture. Thank you, God, that you breathed out this word for us. And I pray that we would root and anchor ourselves deeply in what you have told us and who you have shown us you are so that we can walk this road with infinite joy, and share this word with all those who are without hope. God, speak to us as we encounter your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.